focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. Joining us in the studio today, we have our reporters, uh, Yoon Se-young and Che Ji-hee. Guys, welcome back. Hello. Uh, we are going to continue our coverage on the uh, the October 29th Itaewon tragedy here. Uh, Special Investigation Police Division uh, point, pinpointing six figures as suspects for alleged, uh, alleged professional negligence uh, resulting in that massive deadly crowd crisis. Here, uh, we did mention throughout our program that, uh, of course, after the national mourning period, which ended this past Saturday, that there's going to be more results of the investigation. There's going to be more, uh, I guess, uh, information as to who is responsible or which entities or group of people are responsible for all this. Chi, let's get the latest details on this. Sure. So the Special Investigation Division launched last week has been looking into the causes behind this incident in Itaewon and the response of related authorities. And the spokesperson for the team, Kim Dong-uk, said at a briefing on Monday that the team has probed 154 people and brought in six figures as suspects. And the suspects include former police chief Im Jae and Ryu Mi-jin, who was in charge of the Situation Room of the Seoul Metropolitan Police Agency at the time of the incident, uh, two officials from the intelligence team at Yongsan Police Station, and Yongsan-gu District Chief Park Ki-young, as well as Yongsan Fire Chief Choi Song-bom. And all six suspects face the allegation of professional negligence, and Ryu and Lee could be additionally charged with dereliction of of duty, while officials from the intelligence team could be additionally accused of the charges of abuse of authority and destruction of evidence. And according to the special investigation team, Lee, who was chief of the Yongsan police station when the incident happened, left a restaurant located near the station a little before 10 p.m. after being notified of the ongoing situation in Itaewon, but arrived at the scene of the incident at 11.05. But we know that uh, from Itaewon to Nuksapyeong, where the restaurant he was in was, uh, it's not very far no, from uh, each other. And the special investigation division is looking into to whether he properly carried out his duties from the car which he used to move to the scene of the incident from that restaurant uh, in giving on-scene commands. And the team will also investigate why the Yongsan police station first reported that Lee had arrived at the scene at around 10.20 p.m. And the team is also looking into why the Yongsan police station deleted its internal report written a few days before the incident, which suggested concern about a possible safety accident in Itaewon during the Halloween period. And intelligence officials, in fact, wrote a report calling for more support out of concern of a possible safety accident occurring in Itaewon as crowds were expected to gather in the area during that Halloween weekend. And the team's investigation into data collected through a raid showed that the head of the intelligence team ordered the officials to delete details and eventually ordered the deletion of the initial report after the incident occurred. And Yongsan-gu District Chief Park Ki-young's whereabouts on the day of the incident are also being questioned. Uh, the district office said Park visited her hometown in South Gyeongsang province and returned to Seoul at about 8 p.m. on the day of the crowd surge. And local reports showed that Park left a message in a chat saying she was worried about the crowds in Itaewon but uh, took no further action regarding it. 
So right now, an intensive police investigation uh, conducted by an independent probe team consisting of 500 officers is underway to uncover what exactly went wrong in Itaewon on that day. And President Yoon sung yeol on Monday vowed that those found responsible will be held accountable. Okay, a lot of uh, he did this or he did a lack of this or she did not do so and so and so. So far right now amongst the uh, the many mm. that are currently being investigated right now, we have six main figures. Now, here is the thing here, okay? Uh, if you've been following this story from uh, day one, uh, and a lot of us, when we were watching, we found out about the Itaewon incident. Uh, we were actually, some of us actually could not go to sleep. And uh, mm -hmm. we were up uh, very early in the morning uh, getting some of the updates. Uh, one of the person that was giving the latest updates in the very early mornings, thats uh, it was a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. uh, hours after the Itaewon crowd crush occurred, uh, there was the chief of the Yongsan Fire Station, Choi Sung Bum. Um, he, of course, was one of the people that a lot of people are saying, uh, talking about. Uh, he was the person who was basically giving the press briefing. Uh, he was uh, definitely shook. He was very nervous. Uh, you could see his hands shaking. Uh, and a lot of people are saying, well, he did what everything that he could uh, to assist as the chief of the Yongsan Fire Station. But he's now amongst the six people being charged with professional uh, professional negligence. This is the controversy right now because a lot of people, the public was deeply moved when they did see him mm -hmm. during that press briefing that I just talked about held early mm -hmm. Sunday morning near Itaewon Station. Uh, Sang, let's get details of this. All right. Choi Sung-bom, head of Yongsan Fire Station, has been booked for an investigation along with other high-level officials involved in the deficient response to the Itaewon disaster. Although the special investigation headquarters explained that the 119 rescue response was not appropriate uh, when the accident first occurred, but many people show disagreement with the decision. Like you mentioned, SJ, our Chief Choi, who had to give press briefings five times in total at the site from Saturday night to Sunday morning, tried to remain calm, but when the press briefing was televised, everyone knew that his hands were shaking with shock. And including Choi Sung-bom, the head of Yongsan Fire Station, indeed, firefighters are among the first to arrive at the scene and witness the scene and struggle to rescue dying people. And they tried to stood firm amid chaos but felt helpless when they saw a pile of victims already lost their lives. And online users argue that his dedication and work ethic should be appreciated, not punished, and the firefighters and the police officers who were at the scene need to receive proper treatment instead of undergoing an investigation. But uh, the special investigation headquarters say that there is a problem with the on-site response, for example, uh, because the ambulance belonged to Chungno Fire Station arrived earlier first than that of Yongsan Fire Station. But the thing is, the ambulance uh, belonged to Yongsan Fire Station had to leave the 119 Safety Center at 10.07 p.m. because it had to transport a patient with head injury near Itaewon Station. And this is why the Chungno Fire station's ambulance arrived at the scene of the disaster first. But despite all these circumstances, it seems very difficult for 
uh, chief chair to be free from legal responsibilities because Kim Dong-uk, a spokesman for the Special Investigation Headquarters, clearly said that Choi is also suspected with other officials. And what makes people frustrated is not just Choi being booked, but those who need to take the overall responsibility for what happened are avoiding their responsibilities. After making some controversial remarks in the beginning of the disaster, the Interior Minister Lee Sang-min and the police chief Yoon Hee-gun have again apologized over the deadly crowd crush. Uh, some heavily criticized their behavior, saying that um, those who are really responsible for what happened are just repeating the same apologies, and there is absolutely no mention of them leaving the post or undergoing an investigation regarding the tragic event. And Interior Minister Lee Sang-min blamed that police, saying that he never... Uh, blamed the police, saying that he never received a report from the police when the accident occurred and he does not have an authority to, to give orders to the police chief in the first place. But some criticize that East excuse is unacceptable. That's because back in June, uh, the Interior Ministry announced a plan to create a new police bureau to strengthen oversight over the National Police Agency. And it was established later on. And it was very controversial at that time because police officials and many others argue that, arguing that um, such establishment would damage the National Police Agency's political independence and neutrality by being used to direct police officers to engage in politically motivated investi investigations. But now, we, after the, the bureau was established, the Interior Minister Lee Sang-min is trying to avoid his responsibility. And in the meantime, in a closed-door meeting Monday held to review crowd control and other safety regulations, President Yoon strongly rebuked the police, and this showed President's intention to hold police accountable for what happened in Itaewon on October 29th. And although it was a closed-door meeting, President's remarks were disclosed to the public under uh, President Yoon's guidelines to deliver the contents of the meeting to the public without concealment. In response, the opposition party asked for dismissal of Prime Minister Han Dok-su, Minister Lee Sang-min, and National Police Agency Commissioner Yoon Hee-gun as well, saying that it's not appropriate to target and blame the police only. Yeah, so uh, the, the problem from the very start, once again, we knew that there was going to be a lot of blame game going on. Mm -hmm. uh, usually when there is a tragedy this massive, uh, it is naturally. It's supposed to be those on the high, the the, the higher up on the ladder, mm -hmm. right? Of uh, that's supposed to be taking responsibility. Uh, the right thing uh, people say uh, is that you know they either resign, take responsibility, uh, take proper apologies. I mean, obviously, apology is the first thing that's being issued here. Uh, and so, initially, a lot of the, the public was basically saying, okay, so the Yongsangu district chief, uh, the first person that should be responsible, second mm -hmm. person, of course, the police chief, uh, and then the interior minister, uh, minister, because uh, Lee Sang-min is in charge of the safety of basically the country, right? right. And the, the biggest thing was when there was a meeting in place mm -hmm. uh, where they discussed the, the Itaewon gathering. Uh, they discussed things like 
sexual harassment. Uh, mm-hmm. They discussed things like uh, drugs, drug right? Abuse, the, the use of uh-huh. a you know drug drug use and things like that. But there was no mention of any crowd control. So mm-hmm. basically, a lot of people are saying, "Well, why are you blaming the middleman? He, uh, the 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 middle managers mm-hmm. and the uh, people in the bottom of that ladder here? For example, the police officers, mm-hmm. right? Like, what are the two hundred police officers at the site of the scene going to do right. when there are no protocols right. uh, mm-hmm. in place? And of course, uh, I think what everyone saw with the uh, the uh, the Yongsanggu Fire Station chief was that he did what he can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys know how the ambulance systems are put in place. It's not like they have like uh, you know ten ambulances available in a single fire station. Mm-hmm. There's like two or something right. like that. And obviously, when they're busy, uh, other things happen. But mm-hmm. again, there's going to be more fingers being pointed left and right. The big question is over time, who is going to be ultimately responsible for it? Mm-hmm. It seems like the higher ups are saying, well. It's it, you know we we it was not our fault we did what we can but what uh, really angers a lot of the people is that there was a lot of information and reports that were being deleted which I think is ridiculous yes. mm-hmm. and um, the truth has to come out uh, eventually uh, I think is the big thing and this is not an investigation where it's just going to end over a one week period it's going to go on for weeks and months uh, at that and so. Uh, most important thing is to, I guess, I mean, well, again, the investigation is going to continue on. So we'll, we'll see what we'll get uh, over time here. Uh, guys, let's move on to some economy-related news here. The $1 exchange rate uh, falling below the $1,401 per dollar. Uh, this for the first time in over a month. The South Korean won rising by around uh, 1% here. Not a lot, but still. Uh, it is uh, a good recovery when it did almost approach uh, the 1501 mark, almost, mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago. G, let's get the details of this. Right. So the Seoul foreign exchange market closed at 1,384.91 this afternoon, which is down 16.31 from the closing price of the previous trading day. Uh, the exchange rate plunged 18.1 the previous day and continued to decline by 10.1 on the same day, recording a drop of more than 31 in two days. And so this is the first time in about a month and a half since September 21st that the $1 exchange rate returned to the $1,301 per dollar level on the closing price. The exchange rate started at 1,394.1, which was 7.21 lower than the previous day's closing price, and fell below 1,401 per dollar at the time of opening, uh, and lowering the lowest point to the mid 1,381 per dollar range. And despite the denials of the Chinese health authorities, market expectations that China will ease their zero COVID po- policy continued, uh, reviving the risk preference sentiment. And the Wall Street Journal reported the previous day that China was considering measures toward resuming their economic activity and moving away from that uh, zero COVID policy. And also foreigners continued to purchase domestic stocks, which also put downward pressure on the $1 exchange rate. So the benchmark Kospi also rose 1.15% on the back of foreign and institutional buying, and it closed at 2,399.04, which is up 27 Point two five points from the previous trading day, approaching the 1,400 mark driven by the continued foreign net buying, which continued for three consecutive trading days. Yeah, I think you meant 
400, right? To now 1,400 oh, yes. oh, here. Uh, also, something that uh, we previously talked about uh, just briefly, uh, Hanguk Life Insurance, I said it would exercise the call option for its uh, $500 million worth of perpetual note issued back in 2017. Uh, this on Tuesday, experts are saying that the individual hand of the authorities seem to have played a role amid growing concerns uh, over increased signs of credit strains in the local credit markets. Hey, let's get more on this. Hungook Life Insurance Corporation Monday announced that it decided to exercise the call option for so-called hybrid bonds worth $500 million issued in 2017. Uh, for our listeners, hybrid bond is a combination of debt and equity features, and it is a way for banks and companies to borrow money from investors. And it usually comes due in 30 years, and that's why it's often called a permanent bond, because if you buy something for 30 years, it's almost yours right and uh, but the bond investors usually invest based on the belief that the banks or companies would be able to repay in five years or the first call option date so when the company decided not to exercise this optional redemption it worsen, usually worsens investor sentiment and eventually increases uncertainties in the nation's bond market uh, overall as well Unfortunately, with Monday's decision, financial difficulties that could have been caused by Hungook Life Insurance debt payment delay were prevented. The company said the decision is aimed at quelling financial market turmoil caused by the recent postponement of early repayment. And it also explained that Taekwon Group, the parent company of Hungook Life Insurance, also decided to support in terms of capital expansion to fulfill its social responsibility. Well, according to reports, Hungook Life Insurance is planning to raise 800 billion won, or about 574 million US dollars, through funding by its parent Taekwon Group and banks and other insurers uh, through repurchase agreements, also known as RP, which is a short-term agreement to sell securities in order to buy them back at a slightly higher price. And the reason that Hungook Life Insurance previously had decided to delay its call option exercise uh, over its 500 million US dollars of perpetual bonds, which was due today, November 9th, was because of the skyrocketing interest rates and unstable market condition. Instead, under the step-up clause, it said it would raise interest rates for the investors for the next six months from original 4.475% to 6.742%. But as soon as it made such decision, there was a strong criticism in the market, citing broken mutual trust. And there was also a huge concern that the South Korean financial market overall was frozen and due to the controversies around will be frozen due to the controversy surrounding Hungook Life Insurance. And pundits say Hungook Life Insurance, which said it would not exercise the call option at first, suddenly decided to repay it, apparently taking into account such internal and external evaluations. And the market watcher also say an invisible hand at the government level may have played a role because Hungook Life Insurance is a minimum-sized insurance company, but its decision had a huge impact on the nation's financial market. Plus, previously, South Korean financial authorities said they have been in close consultation with Hungook Life and closely monitoring the situation of corporate credit market, which hinted something will be done at the government level. Uh, but a spokesman for the Financial Supervisory Service denied a report that, um, that Governor Lee Bok-hyun had strongly pursued Hungook Insurance after it made an announcement 
government to delay exercising the option due to the impact it would bring to Korean bonds overseas. In the meantime, Hungook Insurance apologized for causing confusion in the financial market due to its initial decision and in an effort to reassure voting investors. Financial Supervisory Service Governor E had um, had told reporters on Monday that strains in South Korea's credit market were manageable. Uh, let's go on to some positive news this time. Uh, the goods account turned into a surplus just for the first time in three months. Uh, total current account also exceeded in turning into a surplus last September. Uh, but the overall volume decreased greatly compared to a year ago with imports still exceeding exports in some sectors. Uh, Jihee, let's get information on that. Sure. So according to the interim balance of payment statistics, which was released by the Bank of Korea earlier today, the current account surplus in September was recorded as $1.61 billion, which is uh, about 2.25 billion won. However, the surplus was down by $8.89 billion from the same month last year. So from January to September this year, the accumulated current account recorded a surplus of $24.14 billion. However, the surplus was down $43.27 billion from the same period last year. And South Korea's current account maintained a surplus of for 23 consecutive months from May 2020 to March of this year, but it turned into a deficit in April uh, due to a surge in imports and overseas dividends. And a month later in May, it immediately recovered to a surplus, but four months later in August, after recording a deficit of $3.05 billion, it again struggled to cross the threshold of surplus with a difference of about one point. $6 billion in one month. And looking at the balance by item, the goods balance recorded a surplus of $490 million. Uh, and this is about $5 billion more than in August. And it's the first time in three months to turn into a surplus. However, compared to a year ago, the surplus decreased by $9.06 billion. And most notably, uh, exports fell 0.7% from September last year. And this is the first decline in 23 months since October 2020. And on the other hand, imports increased by 18% from a year ago. And on a customs basis, imports of raw materials, particularly gas, crude oil, and coal, all the energy uh, resources increased right. by 25.3% compared to the same month last year. And the service account was also in a deficit of $340 million. And the deficit widened by $280 million compared to, once again, September last year. And as the COVID-19-related quarantine was eased, the travel account deficit also increased from $480 million to $540 million. And in the case of direct investment, foreign investment by Koreans increased by $4.78 billion, and domestic investment by foreigners increased by $470 million. And also in securities investment, foreign investments by Koreans decreased by $500 million, but foreign investment in domestic securities increased by about $1.5 billion. So a whole lot of money they yes. just covered on this, but uh, it's not surprising that the exports have been down for South Korea. Again, uh, you said it was the first time in about uh, 23 months, mm -hmm. right, and exports, but uh, what we're seeing right now is the vast majority of the exports uh, that's on a decline is on the, uh, the, the semiconductors yes. and memory chips right now. And in fact, right now, South Korea, uh, there's a stockpile of uh, semiconductors, but it's the base effect. Uh, during the height 
related to COVID-19. There was a huge demand for memory chips. There was a huge demand for, uh, you know, the semiconductors uh, because of all the computers and things like that. Everyone was staying indoors and they buying, you know, electronics and things like that. But now everything is kind of eased. And so mm-hmm. it's the base effect that we're seeing at this time. Guys, uh, let's talk about North Korea because uh, I feel like uh, over the next few days, maybe a week or so, uh, I mean, although we've been talking extensively about uh, North Korea and all the provocations, Mm. uh, it's going to be big because uh, we were saying that uh, in between China's big uh, Congress meeting and the U.S. midterm elections, which is uh, going to happen Today, uh, U.S. Mm -hmm. time, it is Tuesday right now over in the United States that North Korea was going to be conducting this seventh uh, nuclear test. Um, But uh, watchers are saying that we we have satellite image experts analyzing that there are no special signs of an imminent nuclear test, uh, which is kind of throwing us off guard once again. And as we know, North Korea has been uh, very unpredictable with Mm -hmm. some of their uh, actions there. So let's get some information on this. All right. David Schumer, a senior researcher at the James Martin Non-Proliferation Center, told Radio Free Asia Monday Local Time that no specific sign or activity is currently detected at or around Tunnel Number 3 of the Pungeri nuclear test site. He said the Tunnel Number 3 is currently ready for use, and it is true that North Korea has the option to conduct its seventh nuclear test whenever it wants to, but explained that no clear movement is observed for now. He, however, added that it is noteworthy that the reactor at the Yongbyon nuclear facility has been operating since July. In the meantime, some experts also said that the recent physical restoration of a rocket launch site in Dongchangni cannot be read as a sign of an imminent intercontinental blasting missile test either. At the same time, he added, if the regime develops a larger and more sophisticated space-launched aircraft at the launch site, the technology can also be applied to the development of intercontinental blasting missiles, though. That's right. And uh, one of the things that uh, we were talking about uh, before was that uh, we had reports, satellite image reports. They were looking at tunnel number three and tunnel Mm -hmm. number four as well. Uh, And they're saying that because there is no special movement coming in from uh, tunnel Mm -hmm. number three, and also, they, I think they cleared out the path for tunnel number four. They're saying, well, n- number one uh, analysis that they're getting is that they're ready for a nuclear test at any time mm-hmm. possible. But mm-hmm. also, what they're also saying is, well, because everyone mm-hmm. is predicting that they're going to be conducting their nuclear test mm-hmm. through the uh, tunnel number three, that maybe mm-hmm. they set up another uh, area right. where they could test it. So, mm-hmm. again, with some of the things that North Korea has been doing, like firing uh, SLBMs at a reservoir and things like that, they're known to have also tested... Uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles or uh, these ballistic missiles through trains because, you know, they move and stuff like that. They're trying to throw people off. Uh, they've been firing these missiles at very early mornings and so forth. So we don't really know. But mm. uh, Unification Minister Kwon Young-sen, the National Security Advisor Kim Sung-han, uh, made some important comments uh, regarding the possibility of North Korea's nuclear test and, of course, South Korean government's uh, readiness to respond to all North's possible 
provocations. Let's get the remarks in detail, Chihi. Sure. So Unification Minister Kwon Young says said North Korea could carry out its nuclear tests anytime possible, but there seem to be no concrete signs of it yet. Just like Seyong said, the satellite images uh, that experts analyzed showed no concrete signs of it. And Minister Kwon said at the National Assembly Foreign Affairs and Unification Committee today that there's talk uh, that there will be a North Korean provocation before the Chinese Party Congress is over and the U.S. midterm election are held, but there seem to be no concrete signs of an imminent testing yet. Uh, He added, since we're not having a direct dialogue with North Korea, we will continue our efforts to pressure and persuade North Korea not to conduct any nuclear tests in any other way. And Foreign Minister Park Jin also emphasized by saying, we're closely monitoring uh, the North's trends, considering that it's a vulnerable time in various ways on the Korean Peninsula. And Kim Sung-hun, head of the National Security Office, made remarks today as well, saying the current security situation on the Korean Peninsula is very serious. And he added by saying that the Security Office will strengthen the ROK-U.S. combined uh, defense posture and South Korea-U.S.-Japan security cooperation, keeping in mind that while it is clear that North Korea's provocations come at a cost and it deepens the international isolation. Uh, Kim also commented on the Yoon administration's diplomacy by saying we have declared to be a global pivotal country that supports and defends universal international norms based on freedom and human rights as our new diplomatic goal. And we have made various efforts to achieve this. And he cited the restoration and strengthening of the ROK-US alliance as the first achievement and also said that we have consolidated the ROK-US extended deterrence and combined defense posture, also expanded cooperation to the economic, industrial, and technological fields, and realized the ROK-US alliance in action, uh, and high-level extended deterrence strategy council resumed operation, and also the joint South Korea-US exercises were resumed as well. And he also emphasized that the core foreign policy principle of strengthening solidarity for freedom has has been imprinted on the international community, and it has also laid the foundation for normalizing Korea-Japan relations as well. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, though, I mean, we've been seeing a lot of these uh, joint military drills. Uh, we've seen joint naval drills. We've seen uh, joint uh, air drills uh, between uh, South Korea and the United States. Uh, the fact is, though, I mean, this is not going to deter uh, North Korea from conducting their nuclear test. Uh, if anything, it's probably going to make them want to test their uh, yeah. nuclear nuclear weapons even more because uh, anytime we talk about these new military drills that are happening between the two sides, there's been missile... Pro- In fact, we're seeing an uh, unprecedented uh, number of missile provocations this year and even uh, just was it uh, last month, this month, uh, over the past few weeks now. Uh, So the big thing here is we know how the U.S. and the international community, including South Korea included, uh, the international community responded to the previous six nuclear tests by North Korea with all these uh, sanctions in place, whether it be UNSC sanctions, uh, resolutions, or, you know, U.S. uh, sanctions and the EU sanctions and so forth. Uh, But what about the seventh one, right? Because it kind of seems like they're, they're... planning to do something different if North Korea ends up testing their seventh nuclear test, but we don't know just yet. There's a lot of talks right now, but uh, another thing that we're watching very uh, closely is the U.S. midterm elections. This is uh, is Tuesday right now, U.S. time, which means that uh, in just a few 
hours from now, I believe, uh, since the Eastern Standard Time is the, the first, uh, I guess the polls will open first in the, the East Coast of the United States. So we have just about a, a few hours from now, I guess, observers in Washington saying that uh, North Korea may be adjusting the timing of its uh, seventh nuclear test. So what's this about, Seung? Uh, like we already mentioned, despite the expectations that Pyongyang may soon test a nuclear weapon, Test, nuclear test ahead of the U.S. midterm elections. Observers in Washington say Pyongyang is unlikely to conduct a seventh nuclear test soon. But Seoul and Washington still at the same time emphasize that they have completed all preparations for a nuclear test. Well, as we know, President Biden is set to visit Southeast Asia later this month and attend the G20 summit. And some predict that North Korea may conduct nuclear tests during that period to maximize its impact on international community. Uh, but we never know. So we have to keep an eye on <laughs> I it. I mean, we, we've been saying this mm -hmm. uh, from since uh, May when we're right. saying that uh, we have certain in, uh, intelligence reports saying that North Korea uh, really likes to make these massive provocations and nuclear tests during major U.S. holidays and things mm -hmm. like that. And so we're looking at uh, the 4th of July Independence Day as a possible date for their 7th nuclear mm -hmm. test. It never happened, uh, although some people might argue that at the time, North mm -hmm. Korea was number one uh, going through a COVID-19 outbreak. Mm -hmm. Number two, they were also going, it was monsoon season. And so there was right. like, you know, flooding going on in North Korea mm -hmm. as they always kind of go through during monsoon season. But yeah, if North Korea was going to kind of throw off and send a message to Washington mm -hmm. during the U.S. midterm elections, like it should have happened probably today. Like already. it should have happened now, right? Yes. Because it's, it's already Tuesday mm -hmm. uh, U.S. time. Elections are going to happen. The polls are going to open. And people mm -hmm. are going to go vote and then just have you know doing it now doesn't really make a whole mm -hmm. lot of sense but right. saying again that's another last anal uh, analysis that comes out of the many analysis that's mm -hmm. been coming out but the fact is north korea i don't think they're trying to pick a specific date their mm -hmm. goal right now if you look at all their missile provocations mm -hmm. They're trying to throw off South Korea and the United States. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you see that is, again, they're, usually their missile tests happen like something like you know 6 a.m., 7 a.m., mm -hmm. 8 a.m., 9 a.m., like right. in the mornings, right? Mm -hmm. But they've been conducting their missile tests also at like 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m., yes. 2 a.m., like when everyone's mm -hmm. sleeping and things like that. This mm -hmm. is kind of their way of saying, listen, when everyone's sleeping, we can <laughs> attack, right? So we throw them uh -huh. off, fire these SLBMs from mm -hmm. reservoirs. Uh, because they can't detect it. They had no idea that this was possible because all these submarines uh, that you know launch these missiles are usually done at seaports, throwing them off once again. So for North Korea, it doesn't make sense for them to target a date for the seventh nuclear test mm -hmm. on a specific date that everyone thinks is going to happen, right? It's probably right. going to happen on a day that no one is going to mm -hmm. think uh, is going to happen. So again, North Korea has always been unpredictable. The big question is how is how are the, the, the international community going to respond mm -hmm. to all this? Uh, on Monday also, top officials of South Korea and U.S. navies, as well as Japan's Maritime Self-Defense Force uh, discussing cooperation and response measures against North Korea's continued nuclear and missile threats. Chihi, let's also get updates on this. Sure. So according to the South Korean Navy, Chief of Staff Admiral Lee Jong-ho met with U.S. Pacific Fleet Commander Admiral Samuel Paparo and Chief of Staff of the Japan Maritime Maritime Self-Defense Force Admiral Sakai-ryo in Yokohama on the sidelines of the Western Pacific Naval Symposium. Uh, the three sides exchanged opinions on enhancing security cooperation to effectively contain and respond to the North's nuclear and missile threat.
threats. And they also discussed continuing their existing defensive training and uh, expanding high-level policy consultation and personnel exchanges. And Admiral Lee said it's very meaningful that the high-level representatives of South Korea, the U.S., and Japan gathered in a serious situation where the nuclear and missile threats from the North are increasing recently. Uh, This symposium, the Western Pacific Naval Symposium, a multilateral meeting of Navy chiefs of staff from the Indo-Pacific region, was hosted by Japan this year with 27 countries in attendance, including, of course, South Korea, the U.S., and China. Uh, And meanwhile, the Japan Maritime Self Defense Force, in fact, held the International Fleet Review the previous day uh, of the opening of this symposium to commemorate the 70th anniversary of its establishment in which South Korea's naval ship participated for the first time in seven years. That's right. And at the same time, this is where, of course, uh, we saw Japan's Navy and their fleets flag, the Rising Sun flag, Mm -hmm. and it's very controversial. I'm just going to put it out there once again. It is equivalent to the Nazi swastika. Guys, thank you very much for your reports today. As always, please stay safe, and we'll see you guys again. Thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.